With a country divided, the republic at risk, and morality being redefined, it's time to gather around the campfire, get back to basics, and spark the revival that this country so desperately needs. This is the American Campfire Revival with Kirk Cameron. Well, uh, let's see. I told you that we were going to be talking uh, today about why some people are not able to see what's going on. Uh, some people just seem to be uh, under the delusion that things are going to go back to normal sometime soon, not understanding that all of history uh, sends us the message that that people are in a mad dash to grab power and in grabbing power, stripping other people of freedom. Uh, I just spoke with my friend Eric Metaxas this morning, who wrote the book Bonhoeffer. Uh, he wrote all sorts of historical biographies of heroes. And heroes are typically full of courage. And history is full of heroes who had courage. And they would tell you that courage does not exist in the absence of fear. In fact, Courage only exists in the presence of fear. It's not the absence of fear. It's doing the right thing in the presence of fear. And those fearful things throughout history are almost always people in positions of power subjugating people under them and using those subjugated people to, to, to divide with one another, to fight with one another, in order to make it easier for them to take power. And often the family of faith is manipulated by these people in political power, and they use the church and religion to manipulate and to subdue people through fear. And, and that, that is wicked. And yet history is full of that story. It was very interesting talking with Eric. He wrote a brand new book called uh, Is Atheism Dead? And many would think that atheism is alive and well. And the truth is, um, atheism is, is, is like, a, it's like a corpse that's uh, actually animated by those who want to use it. But the truth is, the majority of the world is religious. Look all over the world. You look on every continent in the, in the world, and you will find that Religion and faith dominate. People pray. People look up. People look inside and they know because they're made in the image of God. They look all around them and they see that what can be known of God in general terms is obvious through the things that he has made. But atheism is the favorite religion of dictators and tyrants because what they do is they really want to be God. They want to be the supreme leader power over everybody else. And so what they do is they suppress the truth about God because they want to be God. That's what the Bible even tells us, that what can be known about God is obvious through the things God has made, but they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They love their sin, their selfishness, and their ego and arrogance allows some dictators to convince themselves that God is dead. And we see this atheism uh, appears to be the popular religion in uh, many uh, higher education institutions. And PhDs uh, 
are often referred to as PhD deities by some of my doctor friends uh, because they have friends who like to deny God's existence, who gave them the brain to become a doctor. And they want to actually sort of consider themselves to be more powerful, more intelligent, and part of an elite class. So atheism is actually a, a silly, dead philosophy that is just popular among those who actually uh, have a bit of a God complex. But for the family of faith, we understand that we are creatures. He is the creator, and we are so grateful for what he's done for us in sending his son to pay for our sin and grant us life and bring us into relationship with him. Okay, that was church for the morning, uh, for the evening. Uh, I'm going to get into uh, one, of the, one of the ways that those who uh, hate God throw up a smokescreen so that we don't understand how to move forward in our nation. And again, I'm looking through uh, the American Covenant book and highlighting these important concepts. One of these smoke screens that we've been told uh, for decades now is that there's this great separation between church and state. And, and, and it's sort of this phrase that's used to get God out of government. It's, it's an attempt to eliminate religious influence upon uh, any kind of government. You see, <clears throat> that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, if you look at our forefathers and you look at our foremothers, they came across from England and they were used to monarchs who were dictators who controlled the church. And so they had a healthy fear of government dominating and using religion to control people. And so they wanted government to stay in their lane. They wanted government to keep their hands out of the church. And that understanding was passed on to the founders. And so when they wrote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, they put protections in there to make sure that the government stayed inside of its lane. And listen to this. The founders didn't want God out of government. It wanted the government to get its hands out of religion because religion needed to be free people in the family of faith needed to be free to teach their children so that they would have character so that when the government is looking for new leaders there is a whole host of boys and girls who have who have grown up with the principles of true religion and are now men and women of virtue and character and they can govern the nation well and so in fact the government needs the church desperately listen to what george washington said uh george washington said True religion offers the government its surest support. Do you get that? The government will actually topple over if it does not have the support of the church and true religion, which uh, they understood to be Christianity. The government cannot perform its duty. It cannot function properly without the church, without the family of faith. Because in order to govern well and not turn into a, a tyrant, a dictator, again, you remember the lure of the ring in the Lord of the Rings. Nobody could handle it. It would turn them into monsters if they had that kind of power. They needed virtue. They needed a pure heart. That's what Frodo had. And, and that comes from true faith, true religion, which produces the fear of God, the love of God, keeps us humble and gives us the desire to honor God and to serve 
one another. Those are the people that you want in positions of leadership and government. Even then, though, our founders knew that that power had to be limited and it had to be decentralized because the lure of power can even overcome those in the family of faith. Listen to this. John Winthrop said this. He said, it may do for other countries and other governments to talk about the state supporting religion. But here under our own free institutions, that's America, it is religion which which must support the state. Check that out. In other countries, pick your country. It's the government who says, okay, you can have your church. Okay, we'll support you. We'll give you money so that you can, you can have your programs of religion. And the government supports the church. We'll tell you what you can say in church. We'll have our, our, uh, you know, our, our Nazi churches. Uh, we'll have our government religion that's uh, uh, sanctioned by the government. And it's actually controlled by the government. It's not free. But he, he said, here in, in our free republic, it is the church that must support the government. Because the church is the little factory, the little workshop that actually uh, produces the character necessary so our government leaders don't become tyrants. It produces the character that we need, and it depends on it. Hey guys, it's Kirk here. Did you know that another option to traditional insurance even exists out there? I get that it may come as a surprise since we're so conditioned to think traditional insurance is our only option, but that's simply not true. My family has been using Christian healthcare ministries over the last several years, and I cannot recommend them enough to other like-minded believers looking to do things differently than what we've been told to do. CHM is the faith-based alternative to insurance. And most importantly, with CHM, we know that our money is going to help other fellow Christians when they're in need. And this is how we like to steward our dollars when it comes to healthcare. Are you tired of your healthcare the same old way and want to do things the better way? I highly recommend you start by checking out CHM and see if this is an option that could work for your family's healthcare. It does for ours. It's not harder, but it's different in the best way. Learn more today by visiting chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. Again, that's chministries.org forward slash Kirk Cameron. I'll tell you where the separation of church and state phrase came from. Um, did it come from the Constitution? No. Did it come from the Bill of Rights? No. In fact, it's, it's, it's not in our founding documents. It came from a phrase in a personal letter from Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist Church in Danbury, Connecticut. And the concern of this church was, Mr. Jefferson, um, what kind of government do we have here? Is the government going to control what we do in church? Or are we free to love and worship God as we please, according to the Bible? And he said, don't worry, I'm paraphrasing, there is a separation between church and state, meaning the government must stay in its lane according to this form of government. Now, of course, we've got to hold them accountable because if we don't, they'll try to um, 
usurp the authority of the church and of the family and they'll they'll just run right over it and they'll blur the line and and they'll take power and so we need to hold the government accountable but according to our free nation the government has nothing to do with your faith and your religion that was the protection for the church the separation of government from meddling in the church so important to understand this if 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 we look at what the first amendment uh which is the freedom of religion clause actually says it says uh and this is a sort of a modern english version the federal government will make no law having anything to do with supporting a national denominational church meaning there's not going to be the american church there's not going to be the the um you know the the united states faith and the government's going to make laws saying you all have to be part of that church. No, they're not going to do that. That's what England did. It was called the Church of England. You had to be part of it. They said, no, forget that. We want to worship God according to his words and follow the mandates of heaven, not the mandates of King James. Nor will they prohibit the free exercise of religion, meaning they're not going to shut the doors of your church. If the, if the government stays in its lane, that's not their business. That's not their job. They can't create a state government church and make you be a part of it. And they can't stop you from freely worshiping God according to the dictates of your heart as you follow the mandates of heaven. That's the separation that protects the church and keeps the government out of it. That's what the First Amendment says. And that's what Thomas Jefferson wrote to that little church. And all of it together keeps reinforcing our theme. That, that covenant keepers win and covenant breakers lose. We just need to stick around long enough to see the end of the story. And what we're seeing now proves that what our founders said is true. Our government is experiencing moral bankruptcy. When we look around, we see men and women who have abandoned the principles that have produced the blessing and freedom that have, that have allowed them to be in these positions. And, and many of them are no longer servants of God and a blessing to the people, but they're causing the people to groan in misery because they're stripping people of freedoms and abusing them. Not all of them. And I thank God. And you and I are called to pray for those men and women in leadership, governors, rulers, who are in those positions, pray for, their, pray for them to have wisdom, to make good decisions. And I thank God for the members of the family of faith who are there. And pray for those who are atheists, that they would come to their senses and that they would fall on their knees and realize that they are not God and that they would love God and they'd embrace him by faith. The government needs to be born again. The government... Uh, in, 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 a, in a spiritual sense, they need, they need to get saved. The government doesn't save us. God saves us. And God needs to save our government. And that's why we need to be praying for them. And when I say government, I'm talking about federal government, state government, local government. I want to remind you that the mandates of heaven are the creation mandate, the cultural mandate, and the great commission. The creation mandate and the cultural mandate these are orders that have come down from the, 
the chief executive officer of heaven, and that is to be fruitful and multiply. There's the creation mandate. We're to create children and send them into the world to live in love like Jesus. And we are to fill the earth with them. And then God says in the cultural mandate to take dominion over all that he's made. That is to govern all that he's made, to beautify and to order and heavenize all that he's made. Just like Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were told to tend and keep the garden, to work it, to protect it. I believe that the cultural commission is meant for them to have children and expand the borders of that place where they live so that the garden of Eden begins to grow and grow and grow and you push the boundaries and borders of it all the way out until they wrap around the globe and touch on the other side. And pretty soon all of the earth is filled with the goodness and the glory of God, just like the waters fill the seas. And the great commission where Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and disciple all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. There's a mandate from heaven. And the only way that we're able to create a heavenly culture on earth is when we're, we're not staying in our little holy huddles, cooped up in our church and Bible studies and prayer meetings. Those are necessary for the going out into the world and preaching the gospel. And people will have their hearts transformed by the power of God. And they then move into positions in our school boards, in our city councils. And men and women who love one another in marriage and raise their children well will be the driving force of bringing heaven to earth. And I'm so encouraged because I'm seeing people catch this and do this. They're not just tucking their head between their knees as believers waiting for God to beam us up and get us out of here before the world collapses. They realize that this is God's world. He made it and he said it's good. And he's reconciling the whole world to himself through the power of heaven, working through mandates from above being followed by the family of faith. That's us. I met a lady the other day who said she's running for office. I'm seeing videos of mama bears waking up and standing up and speaking at uh, school board meetings and city council meetings. Entrepreneurs who are now starting new businesses rather than just sinking after being fired and throwing their hands up and giving up after their uh, exemptions have been denied. They're saying, no, we need to do what we should have been doing for the last 50 years, for the last 100 years. And that is creating our own businesses and our own systems and our own distribution channels so that we can begin to create a culture that reflects the beauties of heaven rather than the horrors of hell. I believe that God has his hand on the forming of our nation. And I believe that God has his hand on what we're going through right now. And he's working all things together for good for those of us who love him and have been called according to his purpose. If you think I don't see, I don't feel like I'm called because I'm not equipped to do, to do much. Listen, God knows our abilities and capabilities. He doesn't call those who are super equipped he equips those he calls. His eyes are roaming to and fro all across the earth, looking for what? For people who are smart and strong and rich? No, 
He's looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. That's what he's looking for. And my prayer is that you would cultivate loyalty in your heart to God. That's another way of saying, God, I want to be in covenant with you. Just like it says here in this book, we're studying the American covenant. God, we depend upon you. We recognize that you're the source of our blessing and protection. And we know that you will hold up your end of the promise if we will hold up our end of the agreement. And that is to humbly obey the promises in your word and the commands from heaven, the mandates from above, because they always lead to our joy and they lead to your glory. Ask God to cultivate that in your heart. If, if you don't yet have this book, I recommend that you get it and read it along with me. The original American covenant is something that I've uh, worked together with the author of uh, this book and printed up the essence of that covenant that you can reaffirm as a family. So God bless you. Thank you for listening to the American Campfire Revival Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to learn more and join the movement, visit KirkCameron.com.